I'm Peter Jones, and welcome to The Foyne Jones Show. This podcast will be combining personality, passion, and our love of football, alongside industry and recruitment news. Our amazing guests will share their personal stories and also explain what they get up to when they're not at work. On today's episode of the Foyne Jones Show, I'm joined by Julian Church, Mr. Happiness, the man behind Julian Church Associates, and also Callum's dad. How are you, Julian? I'm good, thank you. Good to join you. Julian, it's great to get you on the show. So we've got some interesting subjects we're going to cover in this podcast, and they're you know they're going to get emotional at times because we're talking about our love of a football team and what the seasons bring to us. We're going to talk about our charity fundraising, um, the reasons we we sort of got those blisters and walked so far for the campaign against living miserably, and just talk about the difference we're trying to make, just in genuinely raising awareness for for an amazing cause. And of course, we're going to talk about your business, your story, where it began, where it is now, and maybe you know just tease people with some opportunities to become part of your your team and your empire. Looking good. forward to it, Julian? Yeah, yeah, still good. Excellent. Okay, so let, let's paint the picture to give people an idea of, of, of yourself and your background. So you are Julian Church of Julian Church Associates. So explain a little bit about you, what you're doing at the moment and what your company does. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm Julian. I'm uh, originally from West London. I'm a West London boy. I, I grew up in Crawley. Uh, went to school in Crawley. Uh, met my wife on a night out in Brighton one night. She regrets that a lot. But uh, yeah, we met her on there. Uh, we got a house together uh, down on the south coast. From there, I moved the, working down to the south coast. Decided that I'd had enough of working for someone else, bringing in work, doing it, invoicing it. Thought I'd go and do it for myself. Uh, so 18 years ago, I set up Julian Church and Associates. We've been trading from Worthing on the south coast. We're quantity surveyors, project managers, CDM consultants. And from that, we uh, work for various different people. Uh, high street names, some you'd recognise, some one-offs. Uh, doing okay. So, let's, let's take some of the basics there. So, 18 years ago, you, know, you, you moved from... Um, from the concrete of Crawley, no disrespect to any, any listeners of Crawley, but the draw of the seaside, you know, the glo- Sussex by the sea, you're in Worthing and the journey's begun. So let's talk about the obvious. How difficult was it to come up with a company name, Julian? <laughs> I'm quite vain. Yeah, you're quite vain. <laughs> I'm so, quite yeah. vain. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, very difficult. Well, listen, I, I, I launched Foyne Jones with Jonathan Foyne and, you know, that, that was Foyne Jones, but no, I get that. So so I, you know, I'm aware of some of the projects you're involved in and, and this is nice for me having you as an, on as a guest because we know each other anyway and Callum working for us here and, and, you know, going for his apprenticeship. But, you know, you work with some, I mean, you, you, you was quite humble there and, and modest, but some of the brands you're working for are some of the most well-known in sports and leisure and hospitality, aren't they? The, the projects, are, they're quite big time, you know? Uh, yeah, I've got Global hospita- uh, Global Leisure Wear Company, uh, based in Germany, Three Stripes, you might know who they are. I was going to say that, yeah, the brand with Three Stripes. <laughs> uh, I've worked for Cafe Nero since before I set up Julian Church and Associates. Uh, I worked for them for when they had um, somewhere in the 40s, a number of stores that are now approaching over a thousand. Uh, we're still working for them, we're working for them in Sweden at the moment. I've worked for people like Carluccio's. We, we've worked with American companies, people like Chipotle, 
So we've worked with some quite well-known names, big, big companies. We also work for your one-off restaurateur, your one-off retailer. You're working on a, on a quite exclusive project in my part of the world, aren't you? In uh, By Hammersmith Bridge, Riverside Studios. I am, I am. Uh, we're looking to, we start actually on site next week doing for fa- Sam. Fa- famous back in the day for TFI Friday and Felix's Calf Opposite. <laughs> but I'm showing my age, but uh, Riverside Studios are quite iconic. So it's now part of St George Fulham Reach and um, it's, a, it's a very, um, very uh, classy restaurant going in there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we work for Sam. Sam's got a good name, good front of house hospitality, uh, good chefs, good food. He's got his business partner, Fanny. And uh, with that, I, I think that'd be a very, very exciting uh, restaurant. Lots and lots of people will be talking about that in London. Mm. It should be good work for us going forwards. Well, you're, just, you're just along the river from the River Cafe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can carry on the walk. I mean, that was a that that was a celebrity spotting place back in the day as well. I mean, I'm presuming it's still as busy as it was, and um, it was always one of those places. You, I, I thought I'd love to go in, but I know I can't. I couldn't afford anything on the menu back then. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. But but talking about, you know, I just want to spend a bit of time on this. So you know, Julian Church Associates, so QS Project Management, CDM Consultancy. Um, imagine in my audience are five-year-olds, and I'm not saying they are five-year-olds. We've got a we've got a wide span of people. But how would you explain that in layman's terms, in terms of what you actually do? Where do you, where do you support the construction process, and and how does it how does it work? What do you do? Okay, in its in its simplistic terms, uh, uh, the quantity surveyor is the building economist of the construction industry. We measure and value what building works will or has cost to actually go through. If you want to be quite derogatory, you would say we're brick counters. Uh, but we're more than that. We value, we're, we're contract administrators. With that, we've, we administer your contract on your building. We oversee your works. Project management, in its, in its technical sense, uh, we're, in, we're arranging the employment of the contractors to actually come through. We're overseeing your process. We will take you from your first inception all the way through to you uh, in in the restaurant sort of game of putting that first meal on that plate, with the CDM side, the CDM is a health and safety role. It's um, it, it's in association with the other two roles that we actually provide. It's quite um, complementary to what we're doing with those two, and it brings through a a, a liaison of the design and making sure that the, th- the way the thing's designed and you can operate it is safe. I mean, I've seen from your social media profile, you know, the the, the element of hands-on, the the amount of time you spend you spend on site on the projects, you know, away from the desk, actually out and around it. I mean, that, that's quite infectious. You know, here I am in Sweden, here I am, at, you know, in in Westfield, here I am, you know, by the river. You you seem to be, I wouldn't say handholding, but you seem to be very visible on the projects, very visible amongst what's happening. Is that is that intentional or is that by by demand? That, that, it's a bit of both. Um, to be the most effective we can for our clients, we need to be in control of what's happening and managing that process. Now, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that most people, when they actually see a, a, the end product, don't mm. actually appreciate what's actually gone into that. And it, there's a, lots of meetings, there's lots of decisions, there's lots of phone calls, getting together with people and actually managing that process through. We've got to actually be physically there to see the jobs as well, uh, see what's happening on site, monitoring and managing programs and people. We've got to be able to talk to the man down on the, on the site, to the man at the, at the very top, uh, and be able to converse with them in all manners. 
I think I think you know just just listening to you there, you know the passion that comes through is probably why your business has lasted eighteen years. You know you, you you're travelling through different different trading conditions. You're eighteen years in, and you sound as passionate now as I guess you was was back then. But you know we're, we're older, we're bolder, we're fatter, and we're, we've got the scars from from that trading. But I think if you've got someone at the front of a business who's driving it with passion and belief and and taking it in the right direction, there's there's always chance of success. And and I guess if you're anything like me you want to be waking up with a smile on your face and and having some fun while you're doing it That's been a that's been a good insight, Julian. But what I want to do for the listeners is I want to dive a little bit deeper into Julian Church as a person because Callum's like Bertie Smalls, you big time, mate. He's gone pure supergrass. So I've got all the inside info on what you like as a person. That's why Mr. Happiness comes in. But let's talk about you know just some of your passions away from work. All right. So we're going to talk about when you're not working, bring yourself to life, humanise you, mate. What what do you get up to when you're not at work, mate? I like spending time with the missus. She's uh, hello, Stacey. Very, 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 very special. Um, we enjoy going out, eating, um, drinking. Do you get like posh? Do you get the preference seats in the restaurants of choice where you've been, where you've been involved? Is it like the you know like the green the green or the platinum card? What which for uh, a lot of my restaurants are based in London or they're, they're based out away. It's yeah. a, it's a sad fact that we don't really do a lot of restaurants in the area that we're actually living in. I'm just trying to freeload, <laughs> mate. That's all right. Go on, so 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 socialising with family, eating out. I, I I have always had a passion for football. Okay. Uh, from very young age, all the way through to where I am now. Um, You're on the perfect podcast, Julian. <laughs> You're on the perfect show to talk about football. Um, I am the equivalent of a UEFA B qualified coach. Mm. Uh, don't like waving badges around, but I enjoy coaching football. Um, haven't done it for a couple of years now. Uh, we'd like to get back involved in that in the future, but at the moment I haven't got the time to dedicate it to do it properly. Um, I've, I've got I've coached as well, and I did it for Fulham. I did it in in my Bayer, and you know I've I've kind of retired the whistles by choice and retired to come to whistles by choice. But but there's something about that bag of balls and then them young faces where you can you know you can you give them the basics, they go on. And and I look at some professional players now and think, wow, you know, you, you played for me when you were seven, you played for me when you were eight. Some of, some of Harry's mates are, are playing professionally. But I think the, the time you put into it, it can actually take over. You can be running your own business, but doing 20-odd hours of voluntary football coaching, and, and you make a massive difference. So, so, so let's, let's spend a little bit of time on that, because I know so many business contacts of mine whether they are, you know, business owners or senior managers or salespeople that are, you know, parents getting involved and, and they're they're trying to make decisions on whether to be that, you know, to do it the right way or to do it the wrong way. You've come through the education doing it the right way. At Worthing, wasn't it? I was at Worthing. At Worthing. With Worthing Dynamos, I was a coach. Mm. Uh, I was also director of Worthing Football Club itself in the Ryman League for a, a period of time. Um, so we're really into grassroots. We're really into coaching. We're really into to doing things the right way. Um, what what memories do you have from that? That you know that that because because it is it's a Sunday morning and you know it's your day off, but you're out. You're out in the wind, the rain, the how to sleep. You know it's it's all your fault because you're in charge, and it's all it's all it's all great when it goes well. But what are your main memories from that time in football coaching? 
I think the Sunday morning is just a result of what, what you put in during the week. And, and for me, I used to always like training twice a week with the lads. Um, now, it, it's, you're coaching them to play football. And for me, it, it's playing in, a, in what I saw to be the right way. I don't like long rush football, uh, long, long ball football. I like a team that passes. Uh, but what I was trying to instill in the lads, and hopefully with some of them it's stuck, is a lifelong love of football. Uh, it's not necessarily about winning every Sunday. Yes, it is about winning, but it's winning with a smile. Ooh. It's winning in the right way, and it's being able to win in five years' time on the building blocks of what they've done before. Um, I enjoyed the Sunday mornings. I enjoyed the, the Thursday nights. I enjoyed the Tuesdays, the Mondays, whatever it actually took coming in. And it's, it's providing, in some way, some of them kids that I work with, I work with the Divorced and Separated Club, mm. and they haven't got a lot of mouth... Uh, role models in their life and hopefully some of the right things have rubbed off uh, in what they appreciated in what we do. With that, I, I a lot of the time I was coaching more or less on my own. Uh, I was trying to get parent buy-in into what we do as much as anything as the, as the, the, the kids, players, call them what you like, get older. It, you become more and more isolated in that and you get less and less parent buy-in. It's as much as to try and motivate them to actually bring their kids to the football, provide the transport, not just you and everything else. What I was looking to do was actually get one or two of them in to help occasionally. Yeah. Those those that had the biggest voice, Yeah. let's get them in to try and help. Because yeah. in one way, it's either going to be positive in that they then buy into what you're doing, or if they don't see what you're doing but they're trying to help, they actually understand some of the frustrations that you have coming through and it will actually help shape their voice going forwards into um, actually understanding what you're actually putting on on a Sunday. And, and, and actually giving them the opportunity to do the, do the basic badges and, and learn the right drills in the right way, it makes such a difference. I remember when Harry, my eldest... Um, he just turned turned eighteen, and Sussex FA were really good, you know, the young coaches program, and that, and they they put him through to get his badge, and and he come come out of it really positively, saying, do you know what? It's like, you know, you go into it thinking you know it all because I've played forever and I was a good player and whatever, but you come out of it and you look at it very differently in terms of in terms of safeguarding, in terms of you know doing things the right way, and and, and almost teaching good habits rather than bad habits. Well, I think what you're looking at is you're looking at a generational thing as well. Mm. Football these days is very different when I was playing yeah. as a kid, uh, and uh, the way that we would have been coached in the well, let's say the 80s, but the way that we would be coached then is very different to what I would start looking at. I mean, people would get arrested for how I was coached. Do you know what I, mean? I, don't think, I don't think it's legal. Do you know what I mean? No disrespect to my previous gaffers, but I don't know some of the things that went on then could actually go on in today's society, to be fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, yeah, it's very much more focused on the FA learning and everything else that you come through, very much more focused on the player uh, and the experience that they should be getting. Mm. And what you've got to remember is, is it's a very, very small one in 10,000 number that are ever going to make this in a professional way. I, I, I grew yeah. up with a professional footballer who's done very, very well for himself. He's now the England manager. Mm. But with that... You could see how he come through. He was one in ten thousand. He pulled football home again. <laughs> I, 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 great respect for Gareth. Great respect for his family I'm all for name dropping, and you know he's he's, he's a crawly boy. But you know if you look at where his career was as a player and was as a club manager, 
and then he done his you know from the outside looking in he's done his education through the different through the different ways someone who can educate a country and create the feeling that we had last summer through not that good I mean, the performances were great but to create that feeling um, it was something special and, and, and I think for me seeing some of the work he does with like Raheem and Carl Walker now and you know okay Carl I want you to go and talk to the players about what this atmosphere is like and Raheem I want you to go and talk about it. there's something very very good in his approach and and that that has to filter down it has to well I've not had contact with Gareth for probably 20-25 years mm. but growing up at school he was very very balanced he, he's, he's come from a very very good family but looking from afar now from the outside uh, my dad still has contact with his dad occasionally and that sort of thing but you when you look from the outside you look at how he he looks at other sports he looks at other forms of management he looks at different industries and how he can actually bring that into the football and what that that implies as you come through uh, I think Gareth is a very very well educated coach out there and did he inspire you to buy a waistcoat <laughs> I still do not have the waistcoat okay. in the uh, in the wardrobe. I mean, he's retired it to be fair. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But but I mean, but do you know what? I mean, it, it's you know, I, I did I did a lot of football coaching, and you know, it's it is something that is really really special. Uh, there are times I miss it, and there are times I don't miss it. And I think that um, when you give up your time to to do something like that, you are. You are helping others and you're making a difference, but you're doing it because it's something you love. You're not, you're not going to give that time up because it because it because you don't enjoy it. And, and that and that passion for football kind of takes over a lot more of your life, Julian, doesn't it? Because the next part of what we're going to talk about is going to be why you're a Fulham fan. You know where that started. What it's meant to your life, you know, the the highs, the lows, and the lows, and the lows, and the lows, um, and the highs, occasional highs. Because um, I want to just, just talk about that, because supporting a team like Fulham, and everyone listening to this will know, you know, I support Fulham, you're not in it for the glory. So where did that begin for you? To be honest, uh, as I say, I always loved football. As an eight-year-old, I said, I want to go and watch a game. I want to go and watch a live game. And my dad, for the best wisdom that he actually had, took me to the other mob up the road. And we went and watched one of their games. I said, I like the football, but I want to go and watch some more. So mm. then he took me to a, a Fulham-Chelsea game at Fulham. That, for me was love. Uh, that was a much better experience and, and with that, that was family and everything else links that I can go back to. As I say, I'm a West London uh, lad by birth. My mum's family's fully from the Fulham area. Uh, my dad's from out that uh, bit north of there, Kensal Rise, that sort of thing. But with that, Fulham was the team that my granddad had supported. My uncle broke his heart way before I even started. I loved that. I went to one more of the... Uh, 
mob up the roads games and then that was it after that we were regular at Fulham I think within three years we were probably season ticket can't holders. you say the name does it not come out you know, the, uh, I don't ask our neighbours <laughs> do, 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 do you know what's interesting though because obviously I, you know, again I'm, I'm repeating myself so I'll do it quickly because people know this story but, but I grew up in Fulham so so you know I, I grew up on Fulham Road Fulham Broadway so so I could hear the shed singing out my out my back window you know third floor you could hear it easy Fulham shed 10 minute walk Fulham 15 20 minute walk as a youngster, I used to go both games. You know, I'd go Chelsea home, Fulham home, Chelsea home, Fulham home. But I always knew I was a Fulham fan. You know, I, I, I was always a Fulham fan because of my granddad. Um, and, and there was something quite unique about supporting a club that was in the fourth division or old third division or fourth old third as it is now, but fourth tier. You know, with a falling down ground and, you know, just being part of that, that small nucleus. And one of the, the most amazing things... I have now at 44 and loads and loads of years later is that I still see faces and people from that time in 86, 85, 87, 88 who were, you know, going home and away then and they're doing it now and it's like, we're still rubbish, we still don't win but we're still going home and away just in different stadia to watch your different teams. Well, I think I predate you because... Well, um, you're older than me, mate. <laughs> I started off in the highs of Division 2 as it was then and yeah. that was the year that Fulham got relegated. I, I've... I've been down there, I've been to the games when we've been in what is now League 2, yeah. bottom down there. We've been through, I've been to Mansfield in the snow on a Tuesday night when 26 of us were in the away service. Uh, most happy of those, days, mate. Happy days. We mm. went for a drink beforehand, we had a good time, win or lose, we had a good day. Mm. That's, the, that's what it's about, isn't it? So, 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 so a huge part of your life for Fulham. Um, what do you what do you think really about you know this 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 because if you if you go back and we're going to talk about it in a, in the charity section but let's just just staying on Fulham a year ago we were on an unbeaten run you know most of those winning we were that close to I mean for the benefit of anyone who's listening you can't see but you know there's a small gap in my fingers we were that close to automatic promotion just missed out into the playoffs amazing day at Wembley. Um, and we were on a higher crest of the wave. Football's a you know hope hope hope's the killer, and football's a cruel curse, and whatever. Here we are, you know, nearly twelve months later, we're relegated. We're back in the championship. How do you feel about this season? I uh, I see this season as a total write off. Uh, I'm quite disillusioned with it. You you go through highs and lows of football. Last year was definitely a high. I've been stages this season which I probably haven't seen in you know quite a few years where I, I'm not bothered if I don't go uh, and that, that's wrong to me that's really wrong um, I didn't like the I, I loved the manager we went in you were the Visa fan I, mean, we, I, we, I loved him we will be talking about our fundraising we will be talking about our walks for charity but I always remember the first time we met properly outside Craven Cottage, and you had the Savisa T-shirt T-shirt on, and you were proud of it. You, you were oh. you were real Slavian, Slav fan, weren't you? I'm still Slavian. Yeah. I'd have him back today, mm. and um, well, we had the other mobs manager turn up as well, and they, they, they've, uh, he didn't. He's obviously a very good manager in what he's done in his time, but he did not do us any favours in the way that I mm. saw the the way that our club. Our style of football went, our identity went, our passion went, uh, and, and with that, our results never got anywhere near what we needed to do. You know, you, you can look at this season, and Scott Parker, another Fulham man coming in, uh, 
I'm still to be convinced that he's the right man long term for us. I think he could be, but it's about that team that's come round. And, and with that, um, I'm looking at the, the likes of Stuart Gray or someone like that coming back in has given us back a little bit of identity. And there's hope again. But that middle of this season, yeah, it didn't feel right for me. It's the hope it does us, mate. The hope it does us. <laughs> but, but being a Fulham fan is not about the glory. So we'll be there next season, back in the Championship. And uh, we get to play a couple of our other neighbours, don't we? So we'll be having some fun. Okay, Julian, so we're moving on to a really important part of today's podcast. I mean, if anything, if we're going to put a powerful message out, for me, this is the message I really want to, to get out there because it's not limited to being a QS. It's not about me as a recruiter. It's not about our football team or our football coaching. You know, that, that's, that's generic and it's your passions. We're going to talk now about trying to make a difference and helping and reaching out to people in a really difficult and dark time. Um, if you don't know this, and if you, you must know this, unless you've really been cocooned and isolated away, the biggest biggest killer of young men in this country is suicide. And we got to know each other through some fundraising for the campaign against living miserably calm. So the calm's principal objective is to reduce male suicide. Julian, if you don't mind sharing this, can I ask you just to, to talk about what got you involved in such an amazing charity? Okay, yeah, yeah. I... Um... There's two aspects to this why I got involved. Uh, one fellow on Twitter, uh, who I didn't know at the time, met since obviously, inspired me. Um, he was doing some cycle rides, um, sometimes on his own, sometimes with other people, cycling to Fulham away. Uh, started interacting with him on Twitter, a fellow called Lee Adams. Um, power of social media, mate. Power of social media. Um, with that, he announced that he was going to walk to Reading. And we were gonna walk, he was going to walk overnight and... How, many, how far is that? I know how far we did in the end. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been about 40 miles. Yeah, yeah. Um, We did about just under 50 yeah. uh, on that. But that that inspired me. At the same... Uh, with the same sort of ideas and thoughts as well, a mate of mine who I grew up with. Um, you'd say your best mate, but certainly within a group of mates... Um, committed suicide uh, eight, ten years ago. And with that, I, in some ways I'd lost a little bit of contact, but I hadn't lost contact. You were always able to speak on the phone. We'd been up, you know, we'd been to football together as we grew up. We'd mm. been to football together previously, recently. Um, that hit me hard. Uh, and with, with that, that inspired me to try and prevent not necessarily prevent, but do my bit to um, stop other people doing it and raise awareness. Mm. And so getting getting together with Lee, yeah, I volunteered to go and walk to Reading. Um, it's something I'd never done before, never really done in that sort of shape. Um, and we, yeah, we moved forward. I think from that, I I got onto LinkedIn and Power LinkedIn. We got linked up together with myself and yeah. you. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 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 amazing how big the universe is and how small the universe is. And you know, listen, I can feel your emotion in the voice there while you're talking about that. And and everyone's got a reason why they why they decide to do anything for charity. You you jump out of a plane for a reason. You run a marathon for a reason. You 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 fundraise for a reason. And you pick 
why you want to do it. Um, and it's also okay to do it without a charity. You know, you, it, it, it's there. But I think from Lee Adams, who you mentioned there, you know, I, when I was 18 years old, I used to sit next to his dad. I used to work with his old man at, at Travis Perkins in Fulham. And um, I actually took Lee, his brother and his old man, because he's, he's from a family Chelsea fans. And I took Lee to his first game at Fulham. Um, his dad said, can we come down with you? I said, yeah. And it was Fulham Barnet in about 92 or 93. 93, I think, 93, 94 maybe, something like that, that season. And I took him to his first game. He was, what, seven, eight years old, something like that. I was 18. And he was a fan from that moment. So he blames me. You know, he, he actually physically blames me for that, that, that experience of being a Fulham fan. Um, and then I... I did the walk, so people know I did the walk, and you're right, I think we turned about 38 miles into 47 miles because we got a little bit lost and uh, made it uh, made it a tough old walk, and um, what a small world, so the person that inspired you, I took to his first Fulham match, I got involved in the walk by seeing what you was putting out on LinkedIn, and I remember messaging you saying, I might do this, I fancy it, you went speak to Lee, and I went, Lee? And you went, yeah, Lee did the bike rides, I went, well, Lee Adams, like, Boom, and I texted him, and he was on it straight away, and I couldn't get out even if I wanted to. I was in, so so we did Reading, didn't we? And we we raised a fair fair few fair few bob there, didn't we? Yeah, we did we did a few there. Yeah. I think I think it was seven. So about, like I think it was about six and a half seven grand on that walk, and that that's a big thank you because lots of the people listening to here supported us. But then we we went that one bigger, didn't we? So you know we we walked to the first game of the season, so the. The next idea from Lee, I don't know where he thinks he's up from, was to walk to the last game of the season, but that was a lot further. That was Birmingham City Football Club. So that, I think, was 117 miles, wasn't it? And we we did the plan in this office in Foyne Jones Towers, and I've got the plan here, Julian. So just to remind you what you made me do, you made me walk from... Um, on the 3rd of May, 2018, we walked from Fulham to Dunstable. We then spent the night there, and we walked from Dunstable to Daventry. We then walked from Daventry to Soliol and from Soliol to St Andrews on the day of the match. That was 117 miles, Julian. Easy. Talk to me about that experience. <laughs> it's 117 miles and it was a totally different challenge to Reading. Reading was just pure adrenaline in walking overnight and you kept going and you kept going. This was get, uh, split into three, four days, however you want to see that. And it was meant getting up in the morning after you'd just done a, a, a walk the day before. It was dealing with them blisters. Um, Bob was great, by the way, on yeah, that, yeah. and well done. Um, oh, he was a hero, Bob. It, it was much more mental. And I mean that in uh, not necessarily in the mental health sense in that, but much more mental, mentally challenging. It was quite singularly focused. It was, for some, it became quite debilitating. Um, I I remember one fella actually literally passed out in her arms one night. Well, I mean, I thought it was my conversation. We, <laughs> we were like the last men standing. We were going to finish this stage. We we're going to finish this stage. And um, I, I was talking to him and, and uh, Morgan, I hope you're listening, mate. But he just, he just went down. And I remember... First of all, saying get up, and he didn't. Then panicking and going, Julian, Julian, your first aid train from your football coaching, quick, quick, quick. And you know, and we we got him okay. And then Bob again, you know, Bob came and sorted it out. And and you did see people point push themselves to to breaking point. And and for me, um, I think your involvement in the Reading Walk kept me going because because I've run marathons, but once I'm past that twenty six and three quarter mile, I'm outside my comfort zone. 
Do you know what I mean? So I could be skipping at one minute and wanting to stop at the next. And and your kind of your kind of single mindedness kept me going towards the end. Um, but then I think when you decide to walk four and a half marathons in three and a half days, which is what we basically did, you're dealing with pain, agony, frustration, anger, emotion, and everything. And there were some wonderful people on on LinkedIn, our connections that helped us. Do you remember Amy with the coffees? Yeah. You know, she came up with the coffees. There were people meeting us in hotels and, and wishing you well. But the, the most poignant and powerful thing for me, and I replied and responded to everyone, was the messages I got from, you know, someone who would say, I lost my dad, I lost my sister, I lost my brother, I lost my son. You know, I, and, and these are powerful, raw messages where people are saying, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for saying it's okay to feel sad. I mean, there's something that bonds you from there. And, you know, you go your debt separate ways. But I saw some of it at Wembley. I bumped into Lee outside Palace away and we just hugged and kissed. And, you know, he was talking to one of our mates and it was great. And, it, and it's, it's amazing to see how that's gone on. Um, but but I, just, I just think in terms of the, the, the overall reason behind it, you know, when you're in a dark place and what I learned is that how bad must things be if you're in a position when you were considering suicide? Because that's that's what we're trying to reduce. That's awful. But then being exposed through my own, you know, from from my own relationships, being exposed to the the effect it has on the people that are left behind, the guilt they feel, the the the, the regret, the guilt, the feelings, you know, and you shared a little bit of yourself with yourself there. That's what kind of kept me going. You know, and one of my, my best memories, I mean, you remember my missus turned up for the leg three and she'd just done it like at Olympic pace. But but the last leg, do you remember? We were late. We were late. They <laughs> left without us. And uh, it was me, you, Callum, who's out, who's outside, who, who, who now works here, and my wife. And we did like the canals. It was like that stretch of the Peaky Blinders canals. And, and that was kind of really special because then you... You know you're gonna gonna knock it off, and you arrive at the game, and in typical Fulham style, Fulham lost. But what an event! And 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 when you look at the actual pound, shilling, and pence, I mean, we were we were at twenty grand, I think, when it when it finally finished, weren't we? It's somewhere close to that. Somewhere close to that. It's not just the money; it's how it's grown since yeah. as well. And, so. it, and and it's twenty twenty thousand pounds, and you know it costs seven pounds a call. You know, to have someone there on that phone when someone is in that that really really dark time, it costs seven pounds, and and I hope this has inspired other people, Julian, to, to maybe get involved or maybe to try and reach out if you're in a dark place because they've calm have got campaign against living mystery have got an amazing website, the Calm Zone, first of all, and that can that can point you in the right direction. They've got a helpline which is open every day from five to midnight. You know, I'm gonna put the details on on the marketing we do for this podcast. We'll put the helpline numbers on there because it's okay to ask for help. And perhaps anyone who's who's listening to this and you think that you know you might be struggling or you know someone that might be struggling, have a chat, get conversations going. You know, fellas can talk about about these things as well. And and that I guess is why we did the why we did the walks, mate, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you remember our training walks? They were fun. <laughs> you don't drink, so I wanted to go to the pub and have a pint. You were having a lime and soda. It was just like the most, it was the weirdest thing, you know. But uh, fair play. And again, I'll say it again. I wouldn't have got through those those two charity walks if it wasn't for yourself. And can you believe it was a, almost a year ago? I think we actually, to the day, I mean, you know, we started on the 3rd of May. So, yeah. you know, in a week's time, we were going off. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit bigger now than what I was in. <laughs> Yeah.
So in every episode of the Foyne Jones Show, we have a quiz to try and get to know the guest a little bit more, and I theme it in a penalty shootout type way. So have you still got your boots, Julian? You, would you have took a penalty in, back in the day? I did take one. Did you win any shootouts as a, as a, as a youth manager? Youth manager, yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to dwell on this, but there's a certain <laughs> match when we didn't know each other, when I stepped in for AFC Plumpton, and I remember winning quite convincingly a double header. <laughs> Well, there you go. Anyway, let's move on. So, so we're going to start on a five-question penalty shootout Fulham Football Club quiz. So, I've got a, I've got my friend, I've got a fellow Walker, I've got a fundraiser, main man at Junior Church Associates. I want to know who is your favourite ever Fulham player. One answer. Roger Brown. Oh, Roger Brown. Do you remember that goal in '82? <laughs> Roger Brown. Fair play. Fair play. Six foot two, eyes are blue. Six foot two, eyes are blue. Roger Brown's half the year. Yeah. We, better, we better not move it. Like <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go for another one. As a Fulham fan over the years, home and away, what is your funniest ever moment? I think it was away probably at, I think it was Cambridge. It was definitely away. We're, ca- we're caged in at Cambridge. At that stage, uh, I was living the Fulham dream and everything else. I lived through the football. I don't think I was married even at that stage. And uh, getting We quite can ask Stacey to confirm it. <laughs> gets quite close to the final whistle. Fulham are winning. We need the points. I think there's a promotion in the, in the offing or, or it's probably staving off a relegation. I can't even remember what it was all about. But yeah, I gave uh, the referee, the linesman and the cage the full works and literally climbed up here. Uh, upside down, we're caged from the top as well. And uh, yeah, all good. So you're hanging there, mate, <laughs> Literally. Fair face, mate. Okay, so we'll see if we can get some video footage or photo footage <laughs> from that event, mate, and I'll give it to Callum to uh, really embarrass you. Okay, let's talk a little bit more specifically about on-the-pitch action, not your hooligan activities offside the pitch. <laughs> Only joking. What's been the best goal you've ever seen? Fulham score. Best, 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 best. Pesky Salido at Liverpool. Oh, Pesky Salido. There you go. He was at Bournemouth away the other day. You know that? Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Harry told me. So, okay. So, we've got Roger Bowen, all-time player. Um, Cambridge away. Interesting. Um, Pesky Salido. What's been, as a Fulham fan, the moment when they made you cry? When did Fulham last make you cry? Don't ask the missus. She'll give you a list. Uh <laughs> Last time Fulham made me cry, Wembley. Wembley. I'd never seen my team play at Wembley. Uh, we'd fouled in every playoff game we had. It was amazing just to get there. Uh, it felt right. It was the day out. Yeah, I cried at Wembley. Um, you weren't alone. I, I cried for days afterwards and randomly throughout. Um, so, we've got favourite Fulham player, Roger Brown. We have got... Upside down at Cambridge as the uh, as the funniest moment. We've got Paul Pesca Salido. We don't need another hero scoring the best goal away at Anfield. And we've got that special day last May at Wembley as the favourite moment. I'm going to ask the last question, really simple one. Will we get promoted next season back to the Premier League? Yes. Okay, he's gone big. Julian, <laughs> that is the end of the Fulham penalty shootout. We could have gone on forever, but it's not fair to the non-Fulham supporting listeners, mate. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you.
Mr. Church, Mr. Happiness, Julian, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, because we're nice, we're letting you take Callum home early as well, aren't we? <laughs> He's an apprentice, he's doing really well, and to be fair, let's say it publicly, some of the work he's been doing on his podcast has been brilliant, so he naturally was delighted when his old man was coming as a guest, but listen, it's been a great episode, because we've actually spoke about your business, where it began, where it is now, and the projects you're involved in, we've got to know you a little outside of work, and we've spoke about our love of football, our time in football coaching, you know, working with youngsters, and then, you know, a really powerful message there about the campaign against living miserably, trying to reduce male suicide and the charity walking we've done together. So so I think it's been it's been really good having you as a guest. Love the full and penalty shootout. But we're also here today to talk about some of the work we do as a specialist recruitment and talent attraction company. So amazingly timed, Julian. We're going to end the show by talking about an opportunity you've got with Julian Church Associates, haven't you? That's right. Over to you, sir. Okay, what I'm looking for, I've got uh, a part-time position uh, coming through. Hopefully, we can move that full, through to being potentially full-time in, in the future, but I'm looking for a part-time position, uh, position for a CDM advisor, uh, principal designer. We're looking for someone who's home-based, um, I think that would work for anyone any up to the sort of Midlands area even. Um, I have a current arrangement with um, in, a, in a similar position which is coming to an end and uh, this is why we're looking to cover it. It's two days per week. Um, really what I'm looking for is someone with experience as a principal designer, someone who's self-motivated, driven, able to work autonomously. I'm looking for someone with relevant qualifications, whether that be a degree, diploma, NEBOSH, APS member, uh, and ideally looking for someone with previous experience of hospitality, retail, sports and leisure. Okay, so, so this is interesting because we're, we're working with more and more employers that you know the place of work is not as important as the end result. So having someone home-based, I guess, opens up geographically the, the populations you're talking to. Um, with the project located, projects located really are, I guess that you know, where someone lives, you'd, you'd want them from like the Midlands down to the South Coast. It would be tough if they're a bit further than that, would it? Ideally, there's a fair amount of work in London. Mm. Uh, but we are working all over the country. You know, we, we're up in Scotland. We we have worked in Wales. We don't tend to get there, but primarily, I think probably Midland South is probably mm. ideal for what we're looking to to enable you to be able to travel. And, and, and I guess what this also opens up, and this goes quite quite well with a previous podcast we done where we were working with talking about back to work back to work parents and flexible hours and you know getting getting talented people an opportunity to get back into the game you know you could be appealing to a back to work mum a back to work dad someone who's more mature coming to the end of a long career that wants to keep their hand in doesn't want to you know retire completely but wants to wants to do a couple of days that's exciting in itself because those jobs are not always visible. I mean, we did some work earlier, and when you when you look for a principal designer or a CDM advisor, there's lots of those positions nationwide. When you start looking for them being flexible, part-time or contract, that pull goes down dramatically. So this could be an opportunity for someone, someone listening to this, their friends, their family, their parents, to, to get involved. The, the process is, is really drawn out. So we'll be managing it with you from a Falling Jones perspective. Yes, we'll be using our video platform. So we're gonna, if you are interested, you'll get the chance to be brought to life by yourself and your personality as well as a piece of paper in a CV. So 
CDM advisor, principal designer for Julian Church Associates. It's going live literally after this episode, so it'll be out there. Um, if you've got experience as a principal designer or CDM coordinator, get in touch. We'll talk to you more about the role. Julian, passing comment from me. It's been great to have you on as a guest. Um, I know you as a person, as a friend. We recruit for you as a business. Um, you've done some amazing work for charity. You're cursed with being a Fulham fan. You're a great parent to, to Callum and his sister. Thanks for coming on, mate. It's been a brilliant show. See you soon, mate. Thank you. Take care. So that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Foyne Jones by visiting our website or connecting with me on LinkedIn. We are Foyne Jones. This is what we do.